Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. Before we get into that message, we want to remind you about just a couple of things. First off, if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here at the Cersei campus, text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information about what's going on here at our local campus, and you can give online there as well. You can also get connected to life groups and so much more just by texting Cersei to 88000. Now get your Bible apps ready and prepare to hear a great word today. Amen. You guys can be seated today. Again, uh, so thankful for you uh, coming out. You look fantastic. And um, if you haven't been, been with us, We've been talking about righteousness uh, for the past couple of weeks, and basically uh, week one, we kind of defined it, like what, what does it mean to be, be righteous before God, and uh, we just gave that a simple def- definition of it just means to do the, the right thing, and um, of course through a theological lens, but we, we want to do right by ourselves, by each other, um, based upon what God is telling us is the right thing. Last week we talked about the danger of, of, of want. Uh, we used the word lust for that, um, but uh, we used a, a story in the Old Testament, the book of Chronicles, and we kind of ended uh, around how you can end up hating something more than you ever loved it. Um, but today we're going to continue this talk, and I'm going to talk uh, or start to get into these, these last couple of weeks of, of this series about um, how can we maintain righteousness. So it's not enough to, to just go, I know what's right, but I need um, the power and strength and authority uh, to be able to exercise that. And I think that's probably really where the, the gap is, and we kind of talked about that last week. Um, but today I'm going to get into righteousness. A, again, I'm going to talk about how we can be led astray, okay? So I want to just uh, begin this, this talk by telling us that righteousness obviously is going to come with a bit of a trust factor. So if you're here this morning and you look at your life and you think there's an area um, or a season of my life where I really struggle with righteousness, there's also been a time in your life or a season that kind of rides beside that where you may have struggled with trusting God. And the reason I say that is because righteousness comes from us leaning in to our trust of God, our trust for His Word as an authority in our lives, a sensitivity to His Spirit. And when we start to veer from that, we also start to veer from righteousness because the flesh will take over if we're not keeping it subdued um, and under control by the, by, by the Holy Spirit. So I want to um, also reiterate just up front in this as I build a foundation for this morning is that God urges righteousness to give us the best life now, not just later, but right now. And he urges righteousness not so we are held back. Okay, This isn't about, I need to create rules for them. I need to create some guidelines for them. It's not to restrain us. It's actually to give us freedom. It's to protect us from evil. Um, it is to guard us um, against lies and keep us surrounded with truth. But I think when we look at righteousness, if you don't immediately frame it as 
God has my best in mind and He wants me to have my best life now. That this is not about heaven and hell. This is about living in abundance right now. And I think I just want to remind us of that by using the Lord's Prayer when He says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Where? On earth, as it is in heaven. Okay, so He's saying, right now, your life matters. How we feel our purpose, what's going on, how we're living, decisions that we're, we're making, it matters right now. This isn't a, hell, a heaven or hell issue. Um, righteousness is a gift to us so that we can have the best life now. So this does come with a small warning, and it's this. When it comes to righteousness, don't swap truth for validation of your own opinion. Okay, And this is very popular right now, is that instead of anchoring ourselves to truth or to God's Word and seeing God's Word as the ultimate authority, we get an idea or we get an opinion and then we just look for other people to validate it. And then we almost build our own version of God rather than accept the whole truth of God. So we build an idea around God or build our own theology based upon ideas that we've had validated or that we feel are good or right rather than looking at His Word and diving in and saying, you know, that doesn't line up with how I'm living, so I might want to change the way I live. Instead, we try to say, you know, that doesn't line up with the way I'm, I'm living. Let me find some other people who would agree that this is the best way, and that's not. So don't swap truth to validate your own idea or opinion when it comes to righteousness. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit for just a moment. I'm going to talk more about the person of the Holy Spirit next, next week. What does that mean? Um, I actually thought about titling next week's sermon, Is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal? Okay, Just, just to have, have some fun with it. But um, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the, uh, the Trinity, and He is a person. We, we often do fine with God as a person, Jesus as a person, but then we see Holy Spirit as spooky or Casper, and, and we think, you know, I don't, I ain't afraid of no, no ghosts. You know, we, we, we kind of think about, uh, you know, this, this figure, this entity, and what, what's he supposed to do? What is his role? There, you would be shocked at how many people right now come to church, are followers of Jesus, and have zero relationship with the one, the helper that he gave once he left. Okay? So, but he is immaterial. He can be anywhere at once, never bound by a location. And when Jesus said, I will send you a helper, that, that phrase, another helper, translates into this. Uh, something else of the same kind. Okay, So he basically says, I'm going to send you someone else, but they're of the same kind. Meaning, I don't want you to worry. They are me. I am them. Same kind. So the Holy Spirit is not a downgrade. You know, um, I've, I've sat with many people who say, you know, if Jesus was just here, if he was here like sitting in front of me, if I just had 
um, uh, an experience like the apostles had, like, like I could walk with him and talk with him and sit with him and touch him and hear his voice and, and look him in the face and get answers. And my physical ears could, could hear his voice like, like the apostles. So you look at the Holy Spirit like, well, that's a bummer, you know, because we don't get, we don't get what the apostles had, but he's not a downgrade. He's the same kind as Jesus, all right? So the Holy Spirit comes with a key assignment as this helper title that Jesus gives him. And that's it, to help you and I walk out this spiritual walk here on earth. Again, the Holy Spirit's role right now has nothing to do with eternity. It's about right now, how we're daily living out our lives for Christ right now. And what God wants to do in your life right now. I don't know if you remember seeing your kid walk for the first time, but I can tell you this. You rushed for a phone. Um, if you know it was earlier than that, you rushed for a camera. Maybe you had one of those big shoulder camcorders. You know how to put a VCR tape in. You thought you were high rolling, but you're really not. You've had all that converted now, Hopefully. And you, you get a video of it or a picture of it, and there's a reason, because it's monumental. Seeing your kid walk for the first time is a rite of passage, because now that kid is like, everything I've been looking around that I want to stick in my mouth, I'm about to. You know, they, they think, I'm traveling now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk, and rarely after that, once they get the hang of it, you'll never see them crawl anymore. They've, they've graduated on, and you want to capture this rite of passage. Well, equating that to this talk this morning, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He takes us from crawling, from barely getting through it, from the, from the early stages of our walk with Christ, to standing, to gaining strength, and to putting one foot in front of the other with balance. It's monumental, it's a rite of passage, and that's what He does. He helps us. He grows us. He strengthens us. He encourages us. He's always pointing us toward Jesus. Um, he's he's, he's, he's uh, curing our, our thoughts. Um, he, he's guiding those things, things that, we would, that we, we would meditate on and give mental real estate to. That, that's his job. So Romans 8, before I hop into to the meat of this, verse 14, if, if you want to take notes today. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay, now don't overplay this. This basically means this. When you're being led by God, you're in the family of God. That this is, is an indicator. That if you're in this family, there is a leading of the Holy Spirit that comes by default. And we have to be open to it. So don't, don't, don't stiff arm the Holy Spirit or say, I don't know about it or it's weird or it's spooky or somebody else has made it weird or spooky. But to say, I want what the Holy Spirit has for me in my life right now. John 16, 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Okay, now it doesn't take long for us to realize and think this out. We all need some truth right now, right? I mean, we, we don't know sometimes what to believe. We don't know uh, everything that's, that's being told to us. Really, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if, if I, I trust that. But the Holy Spirit is the guide for truth. So he brings us into it. He gives us 
even a, a, a physiological feeling. You know, I don't know. Sometimes when you know you're being lied to, you just get nauseous. You, you don't feel right. Uh, to bring it to a spiritual word, we, we say, I don't bear witness with that. Okay? And so what, what that means is we're, we're not feeling it. It, it, it doesn't feel good. That's the Holy Spirit in, in your life. Okay? So before we talk next week a lot about how to be led by the Spirit, I want to talk today about how we can be led astray. Led astray. And I think this is just as important as next week because we've got some red flags to consider and look at. So the first one I want to talk about, I'm just going to spend a few minutes on because this is kind of like the tail end of last week's message, and that is this. I get led astray by following culture. I I use this word a lot, maybe too much, but I use it a lot because it's powerful. And a culture is shaping. And a culture can take someone who is very good and strong and can over time begin to shape them into something that is no longer good. So you have to be careful to go, how much of the culture am I willing to embrace? Okay, Always been a problem. If you need a verse for that, you can go to Exodus 23 and 2. He says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Okay, meaning this, there's, there's power in that, there's momentum in that, there's temptation in that. If you look at the crowd, if you look at the masses, if you look at the whole group, you could start to say, maybe this is right. Okay, but we can be led astray by following culture. When you look at just your Bible, let's say that was our only historical context. If you look at just your Bible, you will see years of history that revealed the same circular problem. Israel wanted to be like every other nation, and that got them into some, some trouble. They started looking around, and they said, you know, we, we want to be like, like, like them, and we want to be like, like them, and that got them into some trouble. We talked last week about how temptation to want what others have ends in disappointment, and we hate it more than we love it. And so we just got to be careful when we're looking around that, that we go, I, I want to protect my life from that. The second thing, I get led astray by reading too much into circumstances. There are two continuums when it comes to God's unabating involvement in our lives. Okay, now this is important. Systems and sovereignty. Now systems are ever in motion because God told them to be. Okay? God told them, I want the universe to work, and it worked. I want the weather to work, and it works. I want biology to work, and it works. There's a cycle of life. Life will end in death. Biology, males and females can procreate. DNA, immunity. When it comes to the weather, there's climate changes, social energy, the shifting of winds, the universe, planets are orbiting, causing gravity. The closest star is four light years away. When you look at physical science, atoms hold everything in place. We have no control over a system. It's just there. And when you look at a circumstance, you can't say, well, I, I'm, I'm in charge of this or something else is in charge of this. It's a system. Okay? We have no, no control over it. 
And some of you are going through some things right now, and you're going, this is a circumstance that I can control, and you can't. It's just a system. But then there's sovereignty. And God's sovereignty can, at any point, interrupt a system. Examples. For God so loved the world that he gave. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of things happening. Life was cruising as normal systems were, were moving. The sun was rising. The moon was shining. And then he interrupted mankind with a gift that affects us eternally. A storm was brewing one afternoon. He steps out and says, peace, be still, sovereignty interrupted a system. He says, Take up your bed and walk. Sovereignty interrupted a system. Death had set in on a family. And he stepped in and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Sovereignty interrupted a system. We have no control over sovereignty. So you have no control over systems and you have no control over sovereignty. An example of this in our everyday lives is, out of all the children in the world, why, why did our child end up with an illness that affects one out of a million? And we read into a circumstance that somehow God did that and picked that and set that. And then your faith becomes a battlefield and then your mind becomes a battlefield and your heart becomes broken. Maybe you're here today, and I want to be really careful here, but you say, you know, we, we can't get, get pregnant. We want to be. And it seems that all the people that don't want to have kids can easily have kids. Again, you're dealing with a system. You're dealing with biology. You're dealing with things that were set in motion because God told them to be in motion, and you have no control over it. So these are examples of a system that influences our experience. So what we are praying for, hear me, this can change your life if you really hold on to it this morning. What, what we're praying for is the acceptance of the systems, but openness to sovereignty. I'm going to accept the things that I have no, no control over. I can't control the weather. I can't control biology. I can't control uh, the, 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 the DNA. I can't control genetics. I can't control birth defects. I can't control these, these things that God puts in motion. But I can pray for sovereignty. God, interrupt my life. Come into our church. Change my marriage. Come into this place. So, Kevin, does everything happen for a reason? Well, yeah. If... You only look at systems and sovereignty. But there's another big influencer, okay? Hear me. Some things are happening by our choosing. Everybody say the word choice. This is an area that God has always refused to, to control. And every day terrible things happen because there's evil in the world or because someone does something stupid or is self-seeking or they let an emotion get the best of them. This is why you can't view circumstance as being attached to God's will or God trying to speak to you directly through your experience because oftentimes your experience is including the shrapnel of someone else's decision making or the consequences of your own decision making. 
So you can't look at the world around you and say, God is trying to speak to me through this circumstance directly. This has got to be his voice. Because you could just be experiencing the shrapnel of someone else's disobedience. People have asked sometimes why I preach so often about biblical principle rather than preaching about biblical products. Biblical products is what I would say would be healing, power, prosperity, those kinds of things. Why do I anchor more to principle than than product? Well, here's my answer. Because if we live from biblical principle, we are more deeply anchored to God and more connected to God. Why? Because you cannot control God's sovereignty. It is a special experience, and this is why we call it a miracle. If it happened every day or every week, we'd call it Monday, but it doesn't. It's, it's, it's a, a miracle. But principle has been given to us for our daily experience in walking with the Spirit. Principles like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, they are the fruit of walking with the Spirit and they are principles that weave an incredible tapestry across our lifespan. You can follow joy. You can follow peace. You can follow goodness. But don't follow your circumstance. Because of these principles, this is what allows us to have strength, meaning this, that you can follow Jesus when you are rich or poor or sick or healthy because you are not following miracles. You are following Jesus. You're not trying to follow a product. And this is not just my, my thoughts today. Let me give you a case in point. After Jesus had fed the 5,000, he rebukes the crowd when they come back, and he says to them in John 6, 26, i tell you the, the, the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. He's saying, listen, you've come back not because you want to be with me. You've come back because you want your stomach filled again. Biblical product. He addresses it. Don't follow the miracle. Follow me. Don't don't just want a sign. Want to be with the Son. Don't follow a circumstance. But follow the principle in your life. That God has has given you. Here's here's the takeaway for this point. Circumstances are to be accepted, but they are never to be used as a compass of confirmation. Like I don't look at at a circumstance and go, well, that means God's speaking to me. I accept what's happened to my life. Sometimes we lose people way, way too early. Sometimes marriages end and we're sick about it. But if you let that, if you let life's experiences get in your heart and begin to lead you and be the navigational piece for you, you will be led down a road of disappointment and discouragement. Don't follow the circumstance. They are to never be a compass of confirmation for your life. Third, I get led astray when I follow my feelings. Some of you in this room, you are, you are feeling people. You're, you're emotional, and that's good. God gave you that. You get excited about things. But here's the thing about feelings. They are temporary. All of them. All of them. There are people in prison right now for their whole lives because they did something while in an emotional state. An emotion that given a breath would have passed. 
an emotional state that given a moment, if they just stopped from being able to pause, hit time out, and just come back to themselves, they would not have acted or behaved in the manner in which they acted and behaved. Neurologists tell us that emotions only affect the brain for 90 seconds. They can go on and affect your mood, but in terms of the, physio- the physiology behind it, they're saying, listen, the brain is, is only amped up and charged for 90 seconds. This means you can go to Disney World and be elated, but it's temporary. You can get exactly what you wanted for Christmas, and it's temporary. You can be so angry at someone, but it's temporary. You can be happily married, but... Uh, wait, how'd that... Sorry, that was a, a typo there. <laughs> Another thing about our feelings is they lie. How many of you have ever had, had your feelings lie to you? Okay, There's only two honest people in the place. Next week, I'm preaching on honesty. Sometimes people will leave a spouse or leave children or leave a great job or leave a terrible legacy all in the name of being led by feelings. Completely takes over their being. And they be, it becomes the forefront by which they are led. And you, you can be led astray by those feelings. And the Holy Spirit is in you saying, wait a minute, time out, don't do this. I'm trying to speak to you truth and guide you to it. And instead we're being led astray by our feelings. Donald Miller says, there is no conflict man can endure that will not also produce a blessing. Okay? That, that means this. i got to learn from my emotions but not be led astray by them. i got to learn that when I feel something, I check it with, with the Holy Spirit before it gets out of, out of hand. Now, I want to I wrap up today, and I want to, as you guys know, I like to use questions to apply things, so here comes a few questions. All of these are related to being led astray. If you want to write these down, these would be great for a Zoom call, a cup of coffee, a life group this, this week. The first question when it comes to making sure we're not being led astray is this. Am I being led by the Spirit or am I being led by culture, circumstances, and feelings? In, a, in other words, who's in the driver's seat? When you look at your life, Are you being led? Do you feel it? Are you actively being led by the Holy Spirit? Or are you being led by culture? By circumstance. Meaning right now you are overwhelmed by something going on in your life and it has become the forerunner. Or the feelings that are now the byproduct of that circumstance are now leading your life. From the time your feet hit the floor, they hop in the driver's seat and they guide you around all day day long. What are you being led, led by? The second thing. Am I truly seeking God or am I seeking others to validate my own opinion? When you look at righteousness in your life right now, what do you see? Do you see someone who's in love with with the Word, who's seeking the Word, who's seeking truth, or are your own ideas and opinions becoming stronger and stronger and stronger, and your teachability becoming less and less and less, and your sensitivity to God becoming less and less and less? Are you just surrounding your life with people who agree with you? Am I truly seeking God? Third, 
And this is a, a, a tough one. Am I focused way too much on what I think God should be doing? Am I focused too much on what I think God should be doing? This is always a pride issue. And this creates phrases that start with I. Like, I, th- I, think, this, I think this would have gone better if God had... And then we, we give a, a fill in the blank. You know, I, th- I think what should have happened here, God, was this. And it's, it's a pride issue. We now exalt our own intellect, our own strategies. So are you thinking way too much about what God did not do for you instead of what, what He's done and willing to do? Four. And then I'll pray over us. Am I about to make a long-term decision over a short-term emotion? Am I so amped up and hyped up that I feel myself sliding? I feel myself, I'm, I'm making decisions that are emotional. And here's just a, a practical thing. I had a pastor friend tell me this a long time ago. He said, listen, if you get emotionally charged, don't make a decision for 24 hours. If it's emergent and you have to make an emotional decision within 24 hours, you better phone a friend. Get somebody else involved. Get another filter. Get another mind going that's not emotional. Take a break. Step away from it. So if you're in that right now, and it could be with with your spouse, with, with your kids, with your career, take a break. Step aside. Don't make an emotionally charged decision. Don't be led by that. Come back to center. Invite the Holy Spirit into all of these things. See, we we can invite the Spirit into our culture. We can invite the Holy Spirit into our circumstances. We can invite the Holy Spirit into our emotional mess. Say, God, I, I, I need you in this. Be my helper. Be my guide into all truth. Be the one that brings comfort right now. Bring the, be, be the one that brings wisdom in this emotionally charged and culturally charged and circumstantially charged life that I've got going on. Be the wisdom. Be the comforter. Be the helper. Invite Him in. Make room for Him.